This is a teaching by Pastor Jason. Join us as we go back to the basics. Amen. So, as we uh, as we kind of have been going through the Apostles' Creed, I think we've come across some very, I mean, great information. Um, stuff that hopefully has really helped you to kind of solidify your beliefs. I know for me, it's really helped me to just kind of focus in on what's the most important thing. You know, what are the, the, the tenets of our faith that keep us grounded and keep us in a, in a, a solid biblical theology and doctrine. So let's read the Apostles' Creed. If you don't have a copy of this, it's available online for free. Just download it. Um, I actually have it taped up at work so I can look at it every once in a while and just see kind of what it's saying and and just be reminded of the awesome things that we believe. Um, but let, let, let's, let's read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And and that is the Apostles' Creed. Of course, you know we've explained so many times that Holy Catholic Church is not necessarily the Roman Catholic Church. It is the entire church that believes in Christ, those who are born again, that church that is made up of those believers. So, as we go forward, I want us to look at this next line that we're going through this time. That he ascended into heaven and now he is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The way it's written here, of course, it's in older language. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So he ascended into heaven and he sits on the right hand of God the Father. Now, of all the lines of the Apostles' Creed, this may be possibly the most neglected by the believer as far as having a firm theology, a firm idea of what you believe on that, um, simply because it's um, not quite as taught in in the epistles. You know, it doesn't, and, and it doesn't take up as much of the gospels. But this is a really important portion of the creed. And let me read what Al Mohler says in his book on page one hundred four about this. It says, without the ascension of Jesus, the gospel possesses no present power. So, in his book, The Apostles' Creed, um, Al Mohler makes some very good points about this. He, he does some really good teaching on this. Some of the best teaching I've ever seen on the ascension. So, we're going to use it heavily as we go through this. But listen. What he says here is he says, 
that it has no present power. So we're, we need to look at that present power portion of this. You see, Christ's ascension and current state of being seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father is extremely important. And I want us to see the importance in the Word of God of that moment. So, now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. Mark 16, verses 19 and 20. So then, the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would remove the veil so that we may see a clearer revelation of who you are in your word. God, bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may use it in our lives, that we may apply it to who we are, and we may fully grasp and understand it. Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture for us. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is just a a clear statement of exactly what happened. This is what the the witnesses saw. And this is just a, a statement that it's clear that Christ bodily ascended into heaven in front of witnesses. And it also states their, his current location, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it also states what happened after that happened in the lives of those who saw it happen, that they went and preached the gospel. So, Al Mohler, like I said, he does a wonderful job uh, of breaking down the important points of the ascension of Christ. And we're going to use his book um, very clearly in how I teach this because I think he makes some extremely important points. I add some points to it, of course, but he makes some extremely important points on the absolute essential importance of the ascension. Um, first, we're, we're, we're going to look at three points that the Bible reveals about the significance of the ascension. Next, we're going to look more deeply into the theology of the ascension. And last, we are going to look and see the practical implications of the ascension for the believer. All three of these things are going to bring up some very important points that you'll want to remember and you'll want to apply in your daily lives and you'll want to add to your your knowledge base because it's going to help you to have a clearer understanding of who God is really is and what he has done through Christ. So first, let's look at biblical revelation in the ascension, things that were revealed biblically about the in this ascension. So first, I want us to turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read you verses 20 through 23. It says, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church. He gave him as a head 
of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, very powerful statement. It's re, it's it's kind of restated and actually maybe made a little bit even, even more clear in uh, Philippians two, verses nine through eleven, where it says, "Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus." Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, in the ascension, we see the elevating of Christ above all things. He is elevated elevated above all things. He, he is given authority. It says that the authority has been put under him, even over the church, that he is given as the head of the church and we are his body. He is, is, is elevated above all things. At, that at his name, that's how we're saved. At, every, at his name, um, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that he is Lord. So it's all giving exaltation to Christ. It's saying he is above all things. So as we look at that, um, we must understand that it is all for the glory of the Father. Christ is exalted to the glory of the Father. Christ gave glory to the Father. He, he is glorified as God himself. He is exalted in his ascension. He is brought up seated on a throne to rule, to have authority. Now, Christ has completed the work of redemption and is now elevated to the place of highest authority. So in biblical revelation, we see Christ revealed as exalted. His name is above every other name. That at his name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So, the second thing that is really revealed in, in Scripture is this about the ascension. It's the giving of the Holy Spirit. We look at John sixteen seven for this. And one of the most interesting verses, I think if we look at it, it's really kind of one of the... the maybe it, it skipped over quickly, but we need to really understand what Christ is saying here. He's saying something with some very very large significance, as it were. In John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, Christ is stating here the absolute importance of the coming of the Holy Spirit for the believer, which is an amazing thing if we think about it, because it would be very awesome if Christ still dwelt with us bodily. But even Christ himself is stating here, look, me being here with you on earth bodily is, is a good thing. But what's even better is that I should send the Holy Spirit. And the great thing is that if you are a believer, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He is with you always. And He is doing some very specific work 
some very important work, some very great work that is explained by Jesus in, in John 16, 13, and 14. He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So we see three things that the Holy Spirit is going to do because Christ has ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. First, he will guide you into all truth. Now, that's a very interesting way of, of, of putting it. When Christ in John seventeen seventeen, which is coming up in his high priestly prayer, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So he is saying that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Well, if he... He himself defines truth as the Word. So the Holy Spirit is here to guide you and lead you into all of the Word, the truth. And that is the biggest help that you can have, is to, is to look to Scripture, to see Scripture revealed and know that it's truth. And the Holy Spirit leads us there. That's how He is our comforter. That's how He is our helper. The second thing is, says, he will declare things that are to come. Now, that's very important because through the apostolic uh, word that was given through the inspired Holy Spirit breathed and written word of God, we see very clearly throughout Scripture that Christ is going to have final victory. That no matter what the church faces, Ultimate victory belongs to Christ. And that very thing has been a great comfort to a very, very persecuted group of people called the church. It has been extremely important for the church to, to know that Christ will have ultimate, complete victory over all things. So the Holy Spirit has inspired that to be declared. What is to come? What is to come is that Christ will reign forever and that we are His. So, the last thing is that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what Christ says. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, the direct revelation of God in Scripture to the church is inspired by the Holy Spirit. All of it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, He's saying here, He's going to take what is mine. So, the Holy Spirit is taking His Word inspiring men to write it down so that you may see it. It's inspired revelation. So if we look at this, if we look at how Christ talks about the importance of the Holy Spirit, his ascension was essential for him to be able to send that comforter down, right? So with that comforter sent, now we are comforted and helped through the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit is directly tied to Scripture, Many in the modern church want to separate those things. They want to, to depend less on the Word of God and more on how they feel, which they think is the Holy Spirit is how they feel. Well, the Holy Spirit, according to Christ, directs us towards His Word, gives us all the truth. So the Holy Spirit is directly tied to Scripture and revelation of all things of God to the church. The Holy Spirit had to come. In order for that to happen, Christ needed to ascend to send him. 
So that's of ultimate biblical importance to us as Christians. The third biblical revelation to the believer because of the ascension of Christ is very important. Because of his ascension, we now know that we have a place to spend eternity. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Now that's beautiful scripture, very comforting scripture, but it speaks very specifically about the place that he goes to prepare for us and the fact that he will bring us to be with him. So Christ, through his death and resurrection, made the place for us. He created the opening, gave us access. If we were in Christ, if we were born again, we have access to to heaven. And now he is seated there at the right hand of the Father. And when we die... We are present with him. We close our eyes here. We open our eyes. We are in the presence of Christ. And his presence there, him being there himself, ascending to be seated at the right hand of the Father, his presence there signifies that there is forever a place for us. And that's wonderful. That's one of the most beautiful parts of the ascension. That Christ is seated in heaven where he will bring us one day. Now, next I want us to look at what many of us, including myself, tend to neglect. The theology of the ascension. The theology of the ascension. Now, first of all, we need to look at this clear theological point of the ascension is this. The vindication of Christ. Christ's sacrifice was absolutely accepted by the Father. How do we know this? Well, we talked about it on when we talked about how he had raised from the dead. If the sacrifice had not been accepted, he would not have raised from the dead because it wouldn't have been sufficient. It was sufficient, so he rose from the dead. And then what makes it even more clear is that he ascends to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, If the sin that he bore in himself was not completely expiated or done away with, expunged, taken from our record, then sin would have entered with him into heaven. It it couldn't have. Sin cannot enter into heaven. So we see that Christ taking on of himself of all of that sin was completely enough. The wrath of God poured out upon him was the full penalty, and he was able to ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father. Not only was his sacrifice absolutely accepted, but I think that his entire life in ministry was affirmed. That God said, yes, that's exactly what you were sent to do, and you've done it. The purpose has been, has been done. His ascension established God's kingdom... And we are now citizens of that kingdom thanks to Christ. Because of our adoption as sons and daughters, we are now citizens 
of the eternal kingdom of which God and Jesus are sitting on thrones ruling. It's, it, it's, it's, it's ruled by the Godhead, the Trinity. And salvation has come for sinners. Sinners who had no way to God before Christ now have a way to Him. And that's beautiful. And that's true. And it's forever true. Also, the payment for sin has been received. Like I said, sin can't enter into heaven. So that payment for sin had to be fully paid on the cross. And because of that, Christ ascended. So we can theologically look at that as, yes, Christ is fully vindicated, vindicated in all of his life, ministry, death, resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Next theological point I want to kind of look at is the reality of heaven. Um, you see, according to Scripture, every Scripture that talks about the ascension or Christ's current location gives a specific place where he has ascended to. Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. So, that's a specific place. Now, in, in modern religions, New Age religions, you know, all of these, these false religions, they try to make heaven, nirvana, all these other places a state of mind or a place of peaceful consciousness. You know, if you die, then you maybe can ascend to nirvana. You know, heaven is not a state of mind. It is not a place of your consciousness. It is not a peaceful feeling. It is not euphoria. It is not nirvana. It is not any of these things. Heaven is a place where our Savior is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, proven by his ascension. He ascended bodily into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Scripture. And the last is, is our union with Christ. That's the last theological point we need to look at, is our union with Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6 say, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us. And, ra it says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are in Christ. Christ is currently seated in heavenly places. If we are born again, if we are in a new creation, we are in Christ. He knows us. We are forever His. We are with Him forever. There's, there will be no separation of us from Him. Through the Holy Spirit, we are now united with God. We are in union with Christ. In His death, we are... We died with him. We are resurrected with him. We are dead to sin. We are alive to Christ. We are in union with Christ, and that is proven by the ascension because he has seated us with him in heavenly places. Now, we say all that, and, and those are great points, and those are things that we should learn. But now, what does this mean for us right now? 
because the point that Al Mohler made in the book was that without the, the ascension, there is no present power in Christianity, no present power, no power right now. So, what does this mean for us? What's the present power we have right now? Well, I think four things. Al Mohler listed two. I list four. First is the certainty of salvation. We are in him. Scripture says that no man can pluck us from his hand. We are forever his. We are certainly saved, and we will be completely saved and glorified. The next thing about that is that because salvation is certain, that means that his work will always be sufficient and always be complete for us. So we don't have to work our way into his good graces. We are in his good graces because of the work that he has done. We will do good things. We will do good works because a live tree is not going to bear dead fruit. We're going to bear fruit because it is the Father's will that we would be spotless and blameless and, and pursue holiness, no doubt. But our salvation is certain even when we fail because He has certainly saved us through His complete, sufficient, powerful, awesome work done on the cross, proven that it was enough by the fact that He ascended to the Father and is seated at His right hand. Number two is that we have currently a mediator. 1 Timothy verses, verse, chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. He is a mediator. Jesus mediates not only the relationship because he was all God, all man, therefore bringing us together if we are in him, but he mediates on our behalf because he is always in the presence of God the Father seated at the right hand. He's not coming and visiting and doing all these things and and ministering to the Indians and the ancient days as, as the Mormons believe. He's, he's not doing those things. He is in the presence of God the Father always. This gives us hope for answered prayer. And, and that's the funny thing about answered prayer. All prayers are answered. They're either answered yes or no or maybe or not yet. So all prayers answered may not be the answer we want, but it is answered. It gives us help from the Holy Spirit because we know that Christ has ascended. Therefore, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And we have that helper. And also a very sure salvation. A completed salvation. So we have that hope because of the mediator that we have. Because he was the exact mediator needed to save us. Thirdly, we can live boldly. We have confidence in our relationship with Christ and with God the Father through Christ. And with the Holy Spirit through the, the sending of him to the believer to be our helper, we have complete confidence in that. We know that we have a God that, that hears our prayers. We know that we have a God who is clearly revered, revealed in Scripture. We know that we have a, a God head who is 
doing all of the work that they are set out to do. They have unbelievable majesty there over us. They have created. It's amazing what, what, what God has done. And we can truly live our lives because of that to the glory of God because the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And what a God we have. Last, we can do the work of fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's look at the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Very awesome. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very beautiful. This is a wonderful command for all believers. Wonderful command. But it's also a very difficult command. So how are we empowered to do this? Well, let's turn back one verse to Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, when it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is exalted and has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he is seated at the right hand of, a, of the Father, making his enemies his footstool. I'd love to expound that verse to you one day. His ascension confirms his exalted authority over all things. So we see, even though we may neglect it sometimes, this is such a powerful, powerful, theological, biblical, personal point of belief for us as believers. It is definitely an essential guidance and, and bumper for us to stay in between that we know that our, that our Christ has ascended. You see, we don't, when we're preaching that message, we're not preaching saying, well, he said a lot of great things, did a lot of great things, and then he died, and now he's buried here, like most all other religions would have to say. We say, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and then he ascended to heaven, and now he is seated alive at the right hand of the Father. There's no other religion that can give that type of message except ours. So it's a wonderful thing. And I hope that you are blessed by it. I hope that it is life-changing for you as it is for me. But I want to pray for you. And we can go about the rest of our Wednesday night. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your people. God, I ask that everybody who hears this message is blessed. That they may understand exactly what you have to say. And exactly what it means that you have ascended Jesus exactly how important that is that you have ascended and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. It's important biblically, theologically, and personally to us. It is one of the bedrock, firm foundations of our faith that we know where our God is. We have no question. Thank you for that. God, I ask that anybody who hears this may be changed. God, if it's, if it's the believer listening, God, let them be forever altered by the fact that they know that they have a, a heavenly, powerful Savior who did His work, 
completed his work and is now seated at the right hand of his of the Father, and one day we will be with him. Father, if there be anybody listening who is not in Christ, who is not saved or born again, God, let this be a message that shows them the power of the Savior, that they see the truth of the gospel in this, that we serve a wonderful God and we are sinners and we have only one mediator and that is Christ Jesus. And being all God, all man, he died on the cross, taking our sin upon himself, enduring the full wrath for that sin and was able to present himself as the perfect sacrifice. And you accepted that sacrifice, Father, And now he has ascended, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is seated at your right hand, Father. He is right there right now in heaven. And one day we will be with him if we are in Christ. Help the sinner see that, that that is their only hope. Sinner, cling to Christ. Run to him right now. And Father, we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So... Uh, we will be having church on Sunday, 11 a.m. at Reality Church. We hope you can join us if you don't have a place to go. And now let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out all of our social media. The links are in the show notes. Catch us next time on another episode of Small Town Pilgrims Podcast.